first of all, I just want to say thank you guys uh, for all your prayers and support. Um, obviously, those of you who've been here, you already know my wife uh, gave birth to a beautiful uh, nine-pound baby. Uh, Josie's doing really, really well. Uh, she eats like crazy. She's growing really fast. I think she grew like 13 ounces in a week or something, which I think they said normal is like seven. So I was like, yeah, my baby's an overachiever. And uh, she's doing really, really well. She's keeping us up at night. But I'm always up at night, so it didn't really bug me too much. Um, but we really do thank you for your prayers. It'll probably be a while before we bring her around here just because of flu season and things like that. Babies don't have immunities yet, and so we want to make sure that we protect her from that. But uh, probably early spring, you'll be able to see her and, and laugh and play with her and, and just don't touch her because your hands are dirty. But outside of that, um, again, we're just so grateful. And again, mom is doing really well. Cicely is, is a champ. Uh, women, uh, if you want a reason to wait for marriage, just watch a baby being born, and that is not a pain you want to experience anytime soon. My wife is a champ. I mean, she took it like a G, and I'm watching the, I was right there the whole time watching her give birth, and I'm like, this is insane. Like, I'm like holding her, and she's like half delirious, and at the end, she's all convulsing and shaking. I'm like, is she okay? Like, it was, it was kind of a crazy moment. Um, but thank God everything went fine. There was no complications. She's healing and, and doing well, and, and she's at home with the baby just taking care of her. Uh, they prayed for us tonight, and um, I just love that I get to enjoy that time. But that being said, I did miss my church family. I miss being with you guys, and um, I'm so glad that we get to be here together. How many of you guys enjoyed your holiday, your Christmas, your New Year's? Yeah? yeah? Look, all of you guys are so excited to go back to school. And is it next week we go back to school? You're like, oh, I cannot wait. Is it next week? Today. today? Oh, no wonder you got them faces. Half you're like, mm, when today? How many had a rough time today? Like getting up, going. You're like, ah, oh, dude, this. I'm not even here right now. Like this is not. This is not okay. Well, hey, listen, I'm sorry. That's life, and I hope you enjoy this time. But uh, we're kind of kicking off something new uh, tonight, and. Uh, we're going to be going through this over the next several weeks uh, in this 2020 new year that we have. We, we, As a church, we're going through this thing called 2020 Vision, where uh, we want to see exactly what God has for us in this upcoming year. And we're going to, as a youth ministry, kind of follow along with that. Uh, we're not going to repeat what they're saying on Sunday just so you're not bored, but uh, there are a few things that we want to focus in on. And over the next several weeks, I'm, I'm going to talk about topics that have always been at the core of what we want you to understand and grow in here at Excel. This is something that from day one I have said that I will never exhaust preaching on these things. There's topics that I can talk about that will always draw a crowd, that will always make people happy. Like, especially with teenagers, if I talked about dating all the time, nobody complains. They're like, yeah, do something on dating. It's like I did that for like three months. You want more of that? Yeah, but you don't listen to anything I say. But we like to hear it. It's like, oh, okay. Um, and so there's certain things that you could talk about and people like, um, but there are other things that you have to talk about. And people say, well, he said that before. Listen, and if you read in the Bible, when God repeats something, it's because he really wants you to pay attention. 
It's something that is strongly emphasized. And so what we're going to do is each week we're going to focus in on something that I believe God has made a, a, a pivotal aspect of what we are to grow in and who we are to be as a youth ministry that I hope will lay down the foundation for us to grow in 2020. We'll lay down the foundation for what God has for us in this upcoming year. And so with all these New Year's resolutions and, and people saying, I want to commit to doing this, my hope is that each week we will commit to making this a priority in our lives. And so tonight we're going to begin with this first commitment and we're going to be talking about the importance of reading your Bible. And I know a lot of you are like, I know, you always say that. But listen to me, and, and I really, really mean this. I have done youth ministry now uh, full-time for over 11 years and, and been a part of youth ministry for almost 20 years. I have seen tons of people come and go. As a matter of fact, uh, one of my former students who hasn't been here in like eight years popped in to visit. They were in town, and they just wanted to see everything. Um, I've been around a long time, and I say that for this reason. One of the most important deciding factors between those who go through Excel and continue to serve the Lord years after and those who come here and never again serve God after they leave is those who read the Bible for themselves and those who don't. Okay? If you want to guarantee that long after your years here, you will continue to have a relationship with God, one of the greatest single determining factors is whether or not you take the initiative to learn to read the Bible for yourself. If you can't do that, if you never get to that point where you are reading the Bible on your own, you will lose your relationship with God. They say communication is the most vital aspect of any relationship. Well, your Bible is how God communicates with you. And if you don't take the time to be consistent in that, I guarantee you, without a shadow of a doubt, you will lose your relationship with God. You will drift away. You will walk away. And think about this. Uh, you might be a little young, but some of you might know what I'm talking about. Have you ever had a friend that you were really close with years ago? Like you were super tight, and then you just lost contact, right? You lost communication. They, maybe they moved away. Maybe you went to a different school. Stuff happens where you lose that communication. And then one day you're walking through the mall or you're going down the street, and you see them. And you're not excited, <laughs> Right? What's, what's one of the first things you do? You pull your phone out, pretend you're texting somebody, try not to make eye contact with them. You don't even want to talk to them. Why? It's just awkward now. It's been so long since we had that relationship that I, I don't even feel, it's, it's almost too exhausting to try again, that I just would rather ignore you. And I see people do that with their relationship with God because at one point they were close when they were here, but they never took it from here over there. They never took what it was doing here, and they never made it their own. And so what ends up happening is you have a relationship with God right now through Pastor Joey, through small groups, through your relationship with your leaders. You have this kind of relationship through people, but not through you. And the greatest single determining factor that I have seen, the greatest difference, are those who take the initiative. Listen, even leaders. There are leaders in this room who, when they first became leaders, they weren't all the way there. They were still young. They were still figuring things out. And the difference between those who grew and those who didn't were the ones who took the initiative to say, I will commit to learning and reading my Bible on a regular basis. Let me give you an example. In the Bible, uh, the Bible tells that Jesus was, uh, lived this life. He had raised up a bunch of disciples and people that were following him. And then, obviously, if you've read the Bible, but maybe if you didn't, the Bible tells us that Jesus eventually, as God had planned, was captured by the Romans, was crucified by the Jews, and uh, three days later, he rose from the dead. 
Well, in that time frame, right, after he was crucified, not a lot of people stayed for the three days. People started scattering. People who were following him walked away. They thought, man, it's over. We thought this was the guy. It's obviously not the guy. And people just lost that relationship with him. They just began to walk away. And, and when Jesus resurrects, the Bible tells us that on several occasions, he appeared before several different people. It's not like only one person saw him at the resurrection, right? After the resurrection, several people had several different encounters with him. And he kind of made it a point to tell people, hey, hey, I'm back like I said I was. I'm everything that I said I was going to be. And, and he has this particular conversation with two men who were on the road to a town called Emmaus. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Luke chapter 24. <clears throat> and here's, here's my thing, by the way. I really want you to make a commitment this year to get yourself a Bible. Okay? Make a commitment. Maybe it could be your birthday present, late Christmas present. Maybe it's just saying, Mom, Dad, I, I would really love for you to get me a Bible. Maybe you need to hustle for it. Go sell a few candy bars, earn yourself a Bible. Here's what I discovered from your generation. When you want something, you find a way to get it. Right? When you want some new shoes, when you want some fresh clothes, when you want to get a hoodie, when you want whatever you want to get, you find a way to get it. Can I challenge you to make a priority into buying a, a paper Bible? And here's why I say a paper Bible. I don't mind Bible on your phone. I do a lot of my reading on my iPad. But we know that when we get on our phones, when we get on our iPads, we are fighting for, or people are fighting for our attention. We're trying to give our attention to God, and then suddenly you get a notification, you get a text. If you're like me, you can't leave a red bubble standing. If you see a little red thing, you got to check it. You got to get rid of it. It's a weird little thing that I got, right? And so the problem is you have all the intention to sit down and read your word, and then suddenly you get pulled away. You get a call. You get a distraction. If you can get a paper Bible, no one else but God has your attention in that moment. And so take the time. This never runs out of battery. This is never going to give you other notifications. This is one of those things that will last you more than anything else if you take the initiative. So I want to challenge you. Buy your Bible. Bring it here. If you need help finding one, if you want to look for a good one, talk to one of your leaders. Talk to me. We'll make sure we get it into your hands. But Luke chapter 24, I'm going to read a few verses just to give you the story, and then we're going to break some stuff down. So Luke 24, verse 15, and we're going to go all the way through verse 32. Listen to what it says. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened in the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man of Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. Let me just pause right there for a moment. Notice how they're referring to him. The man named Jesus, he was a prophet, he was a teacher. He used to be their God, but now he's just, you know, a good moral compass, right? Why are they saying that? Because they think he's not who he said he was going to be. Right? How do we know? If you keep looking, it says, but our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. Right? They hoped he was, but suddenly they feel like he wasn't. This all happened three days ago. 
Then some women from our group of his followers were at the tomb early in the morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. So here's the interesting part. They've lost hope even though they've heard the good news. Even though they heard from secondhand witnesses that Jesus resurrected from the dead. Now we're going to get into this a little bit more, but I need you to understand part of why reading your Bible is so vital and so important is you can't get everything from God from another person. So if your only information and understanding of who God is comes from a sermon, comes from uh, somebody, one of your leaders, comes from someone other than the Bible, you'll never fully believe it. Okay? And so here they are walking with Jesus and they can't even see him because they only were relying on secondhand witnesses. So then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So what does he do? He goes back to the Bible right at the beginning and he teaches them all over again. He goes, man, you guys obviously don't get it. You don't understand that everything that happened to Jesus was already written, was already predicted. You're being foolish. Let me go and teach you again. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus, and at the end of the journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them, and they sat down to eat. He took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? They didn't recognize Jesus until after they heard the word. They didn't recognize Jesus until the scripture was given back to them. You will never fully recognize Jesus until you take the personal initiative to read his word on your own. You will never really know the Lord until you know his word. You'll know about him. You'll hear things. You'll have different people's interpretations. you have different people's opinions. But listen, for me, I don't mind hearing people's opinions on a movie, but I reserve my own opinion for when I see it. Because I don't care if Edwin thinks it's stupid. I ain't Edwin. I'm going to go for myself and find out, do I like this or not? And too often, we're swayed by what other people say instead of saying, you know what? It doesn't matter what everybody else says. Let me see it for myself. Right? These guys were going off other people's opinions. Well, he was crucified, and then some women said that they saw him, and, and we're hearing this, and we're hearing that. But, man, we don't know until they heard the scriptures for themselves. Then their eyes were open, and they were able to recognize him. The Bible is hugely, vastly more important than anything you could ever think or imagine. We cannot allow laziness to stop us from reading it. You can't allow it. Listen, I'm telling you this because I want you to understand the gravity and the seriousness of it. You will, you will, you will fail in your relationship with God if you don't succeed in your understanding and reading of his word. Listen, 
I want to break it down with this verse. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to, even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This is what the Bible does. This is the purpose behind the Bible. It is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing the soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Matter of fact, Jonathan, why don't you just leave that up there, and then we'll just slide it out with, with some of the notes. But in between the notes, if you can keep that up there. There's a few things that I want to break down with this verse because I want to kind of go section by section. I really want you to understand and hopefully inspire you to take the time to read your Bible. But the first thing, and if John wants to put that up, that I need you to understand is that the word of God is alive and active. Okay? Alive and active. Well, what does that mean? Let me, let me again break this down a little bit for you. This is not a book of information. This is a book of transformation. We don't read it to know facts. We don't read it just to have some understanding. Here's how I can maybe explain it in a way that you might understand. When you are going through a text thread, when you're going back and forth, when you're in a group text and you're reading all these text messages, you're not reading it right for the facts. You're not reading it so that you'll know that so-and-so said this and that's the fact. You're reading it because it's alive. It's a conversation that you're having. It's a back and forth. It could be funny. It could be sad. It can make you angry. But the fact that you're going through it is giving you that activity in it. Okay? The Bible is living and active. It has both aspects of it, right? It's living in the sense that it's constantly transforming you. It never gets old. It's always appropriate. There's always a time. There's a lot of things, like there's some shows sometimes that you'll watch. I don't know if you've gotten to that age yet, but even me, when I was looking at like Disney Plus and I was going through my nostalgia and I'm like, yo, let me check out some of these old shows. And I look at the show and I'm like, that's not funny. <laughs> this is really lame actually. But when I was a kid, it was funny. What happened? It got outdated. Or you'll see some things like, oh, that joke was horribly inappropriate. <laughs> Right? Or even like some, oh, I don't know if you know this, some old Looney Tunes cartoons are edited because of how racist they were. Like they just did a lot of racist things in them. And they had to edit them because they can't show that anymore. And it's like, okay, that was good then, but it's not good now. The Bible's not like that. The Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible never exhausts itself because it's alive. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right? Jesus Christ himself is the word. That's why when you read it, there's sometimes, man, you, you'll read the same thing you've read a million times, and it just reads differently. There's a different aspect that you're getting out of it. Listen, John chapter 6, verse 63 says it like this. The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing, and the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Like, you in your own effort, you're never going to make it. You're never going to transform yourself. You, you know, we have all these resolutions. In your own heart, in your own effort, you're never going to get better than where you are. But the Bible has a way of transforming you, of getting you to do things that you would have never done, of helping you understand things you would have never understood. This is why everything we teach comes from here. Everything we try to help you understand comes from here. Right? It's alive, but not only is it alive, it is active. What do I mean by that? Plants are alive, but they're not active. They're living organisms. They're good to look at, but they don't do anything for you. 
What about oxygen? Shut up, science geek. I'm just talking about the fact that they're not moving. Okay? But the word of God is active. It moves in your life. It marinates in your life. When you read the word of God, there are moments where you can be going through the toughest thing and, and the spirit of God will remind you of the word of the Lord. It'll just spring up in your heart at just the right time. There'll be a moment where you desperately need to hear that word and the spirit of God will bring it up and you'll see its activity in that moment. You'll realize, God, I feel so alone and yet your word reminded me today that you would never leave me or forsake me. God, I'm really struggling because uh, I'm unsure what I'm going to do in the future or where I'm going to go, but you reminded me that your word says that you orchestrate every one of my steps. See, when you take the time to internalize the word, you give it that activity. You allow it to move in your life and function in a way that moves you. The word of God is living and active. It's not a stale old book that's outdated and misunderstood. It is a book that is constantly changing you and transforming you because that's the power behind it. There are so many times where, uh, where I've battled with it and I've struggled with it and it's always one. Because it's living and it's active. But it doesn't stop there, right? The Bible then goes on to say that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. Well, what does that mean? It means there's no dull part to it. A double-edged sword is sharp all, on all ends, right, on both sides. If you look at a knife at home, maybe one that you use to cut vegetables or something, only the bottom part is sharp, not the top part. So if you hit something with the top part, it won't do anything, right? It'll hurt, but it won't cut. Only the bottom part will cut. A double-edged sword cuts all across. Well, why is that important? Because it got to cut through you, right? It's got to cut through that hard head of yours. How many know, man, I am hard-headed, right? Like it's just, your mom could be saying, it, how many times? And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> how many times are I going to tell you, oh, no, I don't know how many times, right? Why did, did you lose it again? Yeah, where'd you lose it? I don't know. If I knew where I lost it, I wouldn't have lost it. Why did you lose it? Like, they're just screaming at you, degrading you, and you're like, I don't know. I'm sorry. Right? And honestly, you're like, I'm not trying to be like that. I'm just, uh, just don't get it. And yet the Bible says I can even penetrate that head. I can penetrate a hardened heart. Right? Think about it. If you look at the next verse, or the fact that it's sharper than any double-edged sword, one of the things you might want to write down is that the word of God penetrates your innermost being. Listen, there are things that I can say over and over and over again, and there are things that you have heard me say a million times, and you still won't get it because you've only ever heard me say it. But when you hear God say it, it just slaps different. It just, it just hits different. It's like, yes, I knew, but now I know. Right? I knew, but now I know. Why? Because I read it for myself. I understood it for myself. I heard it from God himself. Why does it penetrate? Because there's parts of your life that you don't want to agree with God. There's parts of your life that you don't want to hand over to God. And it's only going to be the word of God that can penetrate that part. Right? And I've said it, man. There's people in this room, I ain't going to look at everybody, but there's people in this room that I'm like, you know what the Bible says? And they're like, I know what it says. I don't care. And I'm like, well, all right, that's your issue. <laughs> but when they read it, they go, I know. 
<laughs> Why? Because my words can never convince you. But read it for yourself. Can I be honest with you? This is part of why people don't like reading their Bible. Because they know God's right and they don't want to hear it. And they think, well, if I don't read it, then I don't have to accept it. I don't have to understand it. That's why oftentimes where people are like, can I do this? Well, what does the Bible say? Is this all right? Well, what does the Bible say? See, the Bible becomes the guiding point of my life, not my own interpretation or my own thoughts or my own opinions. It has the ability to penetrate those parts of your life that you said, no. Nah. Even, listen, there are parts of your life that are hardened because of what it's gone through. Right? Callous, if you've ever seen what callous is, maybe you've lifted weights and, and you've developed a little bit of callous on your hands. But callous comes from constant friction on the skin. And in order for the skin to protect itself, it builds up a hardening that we call callous. And that callous prevents the skin from ripping apart. Some of us have developed calluses on our heart because of the crap that we've had to go through. Because of the homes we've grown up in, because of the abuse we've experienced, because of the difficulties we've had to go through. We've allowed our heart to get hardened because we just couldn't take the abuse anymore. And then when God tries to come in, he's not able to come in because your heart is so hard. So how does he get to you? Your word. Because when you begin to read the word, it has the power to penetrate that angry heart, that hardened heart. That's why you ever feel like there are times when, when I'm preaching and I'm, and I'm preaching something from the word and you feel like, dang, that's about me? You ever feel like I wrote it specifically thinking about you, like I sat down and I'm like, oh, this one's for AJ today, you know? You know, I, I felt that way where I'm like, I've had people come up to me like, yo, who's that about me? <laughs> I'm like, no. But honestly, I don't sit here and think about one person, but God does. And what is he doing? He's penetrating. He's getting to you through his word. When you feel that way, that's not me. Half the time I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I don't know what's going on in your life, but God does. And it's his word that penetrates. It's his word when you're like, oh, I don't know why I felt so emotional. His word. His word got to you. It pushed past all the, the bitterness and the anger and the tough exterior and the frustration and the sadness. And it got through to you. That's why you're crying. Not because Pastor Joey was yelling and it got really emotional and the band hit the right key. It's because the word of God is able to go where no one else can touch you. And honestly, that's what's scary about it. Is that it can penetrate when you're trying to protect. Listen, Titus chapter 1 verse 9 says he must have a strong belief and trustworthy message he was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. We can't do this in our own fruition. It has to come from an understanding of God's word. You're not going to win arguments with people, but the word of God can. You're not going to, listen, there's so many times where I know what somebody's going through. I know exactly what they're, and, and it's hard sometimes because parents will come and be like, hey, you need to talk to my kid. And I'm like, what do you mean? Kid knows. Your kid knows they're not supposed to be doing that. Your kid knows the way they're acting. You're not stupid people. You know. Sometimes you just don't care. And it's not like you don't care like laissez-faire. It's just it, you don't want to care anymore. It's just too hard. But when you read God's word and it penetrates that part that you try to close off, that part that you try to turn off, it has a way of sinking in. It has a way of getting to you. 
and it opposes the things that aren't right. And it shows you the things that are. I'm going to tell you the truth. Reading the Bible is hard, not because of the complexities of God's word, but because of what it does to you. Because it starts working in you. And if we're honest, it freaks people out. That's why the third part is, is kind of the most interesting part when you read that verse. It says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit. Actually, let me pause there for a moment just to remind you that there's a differentiating part between soul and spirit. Now, the Bible oftentimes uses those words interchangeably, but on other aspects, like in this one, it shows there's a differentiating aspects of them. Soul has to do with your emotions, your feelings, your thought process, a lot of those, you know, emotions and, and kind of all summed up in that. Spirit has to do with the spiritual part of you, the, the godly aspect of you, the part that lives beyond your body. Sometimes those two things get mixed up and confused, right? Sometimes you think, well, I, I feel like God wants me to be with that person. Nope, that's your soul. That's your emotions, and the word of God is able to cut between the two and show you the difference. Well, I feel like God, uh, you know, is, is, is calling me to do this. Nope. Again, that's your emotions. That's your soul. And it's hard to tell the difference sometimes because they're so interchangeable. But the word of God is able to split the two and say, this is what the spirit is speaking. Because spirit talks to spirit. Right? The word of God talks to your spirit. And so it's able to divide the difference. That's why so often we're confused. I don't know what God wants me to do. You should never say that if you're reading God's word. If you're not reading God's word, absolutely you're going to be confused all the time. I don't know what God wants me to do because you didn't read what he said. That's why you don't know. Have you ever had that moment where some, where I've got it, where I like yell at somebody, dude, why didn't you tell me that? Bro, I text you. And then you check your phone and you're like, oh, yeah, you did. And you're like low-key salty. You don't want to admit it to them, but you're like, dang, you really, yeah, okay, my bad. Why did you call me back? I called you three times. You check your phone. There's five missed calls. You're like, ooh, dang, okay, my bad. And a lot of times we get like that. God, why don't you speak to me? God says, because I already spoke to you. Why do I have to speak to you when I've already spoke to you? Why does God have to repeat himself? Because you and I are too lazy to read it for ourselves. When you take the time to take this in, you'll have a clear understanding of what's your spirit and what's just your emotions. Of what's your spirit and what's the anxiety in your head. Of what's your spirit and what's fear in your heart. You'll be able to tell the difference. You'll be able to know who's God and who's just me. A lot of times, like, I don't know what God sounds like. Easy when you read it. Because the more time you spend in his word, the more time you understand his word, the more time you can distinguish his voice. Right? Your mom can't prank call you. That's dumb. You know your mom's voice. Matter of fact, when I call my wife, it's so funny. This was in the womb. When I call my wife, Josie steps up. She perks up. She, the other day she was feeding and I called my wife and Josie stopped and started looking for me. She knows my voice because every day I spoke to her when she was in my wife's womb. And the more I spoke to her, the more she recognized my voice. Just today, I put some worship music on and I was holding her and I just held her. Babies can't see more than like 6 to 12 inches away from their face. So I held her really, really close and I sang to her. And she just looked into my eyes for about five minutes and just was just studying my face. Why? I want her to know me. 
And to know me, she needs to know my voice. It's no different with God. The only difference is instead of his face up to you, it's his face in your word. And the closer you bring it up and you take time and you let this examine your life, you let this stare at you and you stare back at it. You build that relationship and that connection and then you will recognize his voice whenever it's spoken. It's able to cut between spirit and soul, joints and marrow. And then listen, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. If you're taking notes, number three, the word of God, it reveals who you really are. You know, I think we have a real difficult time with self-assessment, with really believing or understanding who we are. And it tends to go on one of two swings of the pendulum. We're either way too negative about ourselves, way too critical and, and, and just mean about ourselves. You know, I'm ugly. No one likes me. Everyone hates you. Every time you walk in, we're just either ultra, ultra critical or we're like way too positive, like almost like. Yo, I'm the stuff. Everybody sucks. I'm the greatest. Everybody got to get on my level. I'm better than everybody in this room. Very rarely are we kind of in the middle. <laughs> We're either arrogant and cocky and full of ourselves or horribly self-deprecating and hateful of ourselves. But the Bible tells you who you really are. The Bible has a way of saying, no, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. And also saying, yeah, but you're not all that. <laughs> The Bible has a way of regulating that temperature. It has a way of, uh, at the same time, humbling you and lifting you up. It's amazing what it can do. And listen, uh, we're reminded of that in James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. This is a big part, if I can pause right there, about reading your Bible. Don't just read it. Because that's just information. When you do what it says is when it becomes transformation. It, again, if, if, if I get pulled over by a cop because I was going 75 on a 30 street, and he goes, do you know why I pulled you over? Yep, I was going 75 on a 30 street. He said, and you didn't think that was fast? Oh, I thought it was fast. Did you see the sign? I saw the sign. Well, then I'm giving you a ticket. <laughs> right? It's, it's not going to help me. It's not going to be like, but I was honest. Yep, and that's why you got a ticket. <laughs> Okay, just because you know doesn't mean it helps you. The difference is knowing and then doing. And so he says, don't just read the word and not do what it says because you're only fooling yourself. You're not getting better. You're not growing spiritually. As a matter of fact, you're, judge you're bringing more judgment on yourself because it's one thing that you didn't know. It's worse that you knew, right? If you didn't know that this bugged me, that's one thing. But if you know this bugs me and then you do it, I'm punching you in the face. There's a difference, right? <laughs> and so let's go back to this. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word of God and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So what is he saying? He's saying this is a mirror. And I'm sorry, a good mirror doesn't lie. That's what you actually look like. That's your face. Sorry. It is what it is, right? 
Some of you are like, but I don't like the way like my left eye is slightly smaller than my right eye. It is what it is, guys. That's your face, okay? Learn to love it like I did. It is my face. Mm. Which, side, side note, if you ever want your mind blown, think about the fact that you have never seen your own face, just a reflection of it. Yeah, some of you went cross-eyed for a second. You're like, I've never seen my face. Right, okay. But here's the problem. Think about this. You wake up in the morning, right? You're half asleep, but you're up. You go to the bathroom. You look in the mirror. You got nasty eye boogers that are like halfway crusted out, right? You got a, a, a bogus few hairs that are just hanging out the middle of your eyebrow. You got some stuff on your teeth because you haven't brushed it in three days. You're a little funky looking, right? You got some mad acne going on that are like right where they're ready to pop. You know what I mean? Like it's a big old white cap tip, right? You got all this stuff going. It's real greasy. It's all messed up. And you go, all right. And you just walk away, <laughs> right? The whole purpose of looking yourself in the mirror is to say, Okay, I got to fix my hair right now. I got to brush my teeth. I got to fix this face as best as I can. I got to pop that pimple because it's about to go nasty. Like, there's just all this stuff going on that you realize I got to address that before I go out. Right? If you don't address it, then you can't get mad when people go, yo, let me pop that pimple for you. It's like, dude, leave me alone. Right? You can't get mad when people point out food in your mouth because you saw it for yourself and refused to do anything about it. You acted like you forgot. Well, listen, when you read the Bible, it's going to point out things about you that you're not going to like. It's going to point out, oh, by the way, you're super selfish. And we're going to get through the, the part of you that thinks you're not, and we're going to be honest. What you've been doing, it's super selfish. And you got to decide, all right, am I going to do something about my selfishness, or am I just going to go back and be who I am? The Bible's going to point out, hey, by the way, this, this struggle that you have with your Sex, it's not okay with me. And you can keep doing what you think you're doing, or we can fix it. Hey, hey, this, this uh, insecurity that you have that causes you to constantly try to put yourself out there hoping that somebody will notice you, only the negative things are going to notice you. Why don't you work on who I called you to be so that I notice you? You have a decision to make in those moments. And the truth is, when we look in that mirror, we don't like what we see sometimes. And because we don't like what we see, rather than address it, we just close the mirror. And we think, well, as long as I don't see it, it's okay. Listen, just because just I close my eyes if I drive through a red light doesn't mean it's okay. <laughs> right? It's not like, I didn't see it, so it's legal. That's just not, that's not how law works. <laughs> and in the same way, when you read your Bible, it's going to point, listen, to, to this day, it points out things in my life that I go, I got to work on that. I got to get better at that. But God doesn't just point things out. He then helps you get better. This is how you grow spiritually. This is how you become everything God called you to be. Not by sitting here half asleep listening to me. But by taking time when you go home later and saying, now I got to spend my time alone with God. Now, I understand what some of you are saying, and Kat, if you can come up and help me out. Because I've heard all the excuses before, so let me just address that real quick. For those of you who say, but I don't understand it, okay? There is more complimentary information available to you than in all the history of the Bible before. You have more 
explanations, more ways of explaining. There's, uh, there's audio, there's videos, there's tutorials. There is just more access. There's Google. There's everything at your fingertips to eliminate the excuse, I just don't understand. On top of all technology, you have leaders in this room. You have your pastor. You have people that are willing to say, well, ask me. I'll explain it to you. What don't you get? What do you need to understand? Also, it doesn't, you're not going to understand the Bible by reading it like this. Um, I'll read that. <laughs> There's a process that you got to go through. Right? You want to go through, the, the Bible is a combination of books. It's 66 different books. Pick one book and go through it. Systematically, just go through it. And it builds on itself. And by the way, don't start with the last chapter, right? Everybody, y'all pick up your books and you read the last chapter of the book. That doesn't. Don't just start with Revelation. Because Revelation is a complex book. It's a mixture of figurative and literal. And if you don't understand everything that comes before it, your nose is going to bleed. And you're going to be like, this, is, this doesn't make sense. So start with one of the Gospels. Learn the story of Jesus. Who is Jesus? What's the whole purpose of him? And then when you read a gospel, read Acts. What was the birth of the church like? How, how did God establish his church that we're a part of? What does that look like? And then read the epistles. The epistles are the books that come after Acts. These are the churches that were established as the disciples went into the world. They started building up churches and they started writing letters to these churches, explaining them how to address certain issues and certain topics, handling specific areas of their lives that they needed to work on. These are things that you and I still need to understand and learn today. Listen, that'll get you through half the year. And then if you want, I'm, listen, I'll be honest with you. When I started reading the Old Testament, I thought I was dope. I'm like, yeah, finally getting into the big books. I'm finally understanding stuff. And I was intimidated for years to read the Old Testament because I just in my head had it that those are difficult. They're not difficult. They're filled with some of the most beautiful poetry and imagery and storytelling and literal aspects that I've ever read in my life. Joshua quickly became one of my favorite books in the Old Testament. Stories of the Israelites conquering 31 different nations and battles and wars and, and David and his mighty warriors and his 300. And, and I mean, all of these amazing, powerful moments. And listen, when, when I began to have a real hunger for God's word, there were nights where I would stay up till 3, 4 in the morning because I just couldn't put it down. To this day, Jonathan could tell you, there are times where I message him my notes for a sermon on Sunday, and he'll usually get it, what do you think, about 3, 3.30 in the morning? And part of it is because I get excited as I'm reading stuff, and, and I think about new things, and I start changing stuff around, and I'm like, ah, this is so good. Can I tell you something? I can't read the Bible at night anymore because I don't go to sleep because I just get excited, and I've been reading it my whole life. But when you take the time to systematically go through it, listen, I love my wife. I can be with her every day. I don't get tired of her because I love her. I don't get tired of reading God's word because I love God. I want to hear from him every day. And I've been reading this almost 35 years. There's so much I still don't get. And the beauty is there's so much more that I have that I can get resources from. Things like the Bible Project on YouTube, one of the best video resources just explain every book in the Bible for you. It spells it out in a five-minute video. I mean, honestly, it couldn't be made easier for you. The only thing, the only thing that is standing between you 
And reading your word, if I can be transparent and honest, is utter laziness. That and the lack of desire. You're either lazy or you really just don't want to. And if you don't want to know his word, then you obviously don't want to know him. And if you don't want to know him, you can come to this altar a million times and raise your hand every time I say, do you want a relationship with Jesus? And do you want to do this? You, want, you could do it a million times. And it will never mean anything because you never took the time to build that relationship. My challenge for you as we get into this new year, make a resolution, make a priority to say, I'm going to read my word every day. And again, let me just explain this. It's not about quantity. It's about quality. I'm not saying read a chapter a day. That's usually how we start. Sometimes those chapters are like nine pages long. Just read a few verses. Chew on something. I did a whole 45-minute sermon on one verse. One verse took us an hour almost. I'm not saying you got to go through it all. I'm saying you got to go through it bit by bit. You got your whole lives to do this. But can I challenge you to do it at least every day? To take a little bit of time every day and read it. Ask questions. You know how great it would be? Your leaders would love it. Love it if on a regular basis you ask them questions about the Bible. Because you know what it does? It keeps them on their toes. Some of y'all letting your leaders off the hook. You're letting them stay ignorant because they don't have to learn anything because you don't ask anything. But when you start asking, suddenly they're like, dang, okay, um, they're catching up to me spiritually and I got to get better. <laughs> Please help me raise the bar on this team because you raised the bar in your life. So I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to get ready to close. And I'm not going to do a big altar. I'm not going to do a big emotional thing. This is a very practical message. And honestly, uh, I felt we needed to do this because I thought tonight was going to be people that consider this their home. This is going to be kind of a, a core team. I really do have some great ambitions and plans that I feel God has given us for this new year. I believe you're going to see people that you never thought who are going to get saved get saved. I believe we're going to disciple people. I think people are going to have an unbelievable relationship with God, and God's going to grow this ministry in ways that you never thought. But that will be impossible if your personal foundation isn't solid because we're building on top of you. Christ is the foundation, but you're those first layer of bricks that we're building on. And if you don't have a solid foundation with the foundation, then no matter what we stack on top of you, the whole thing's going to fall over. So my challenge to you from sixth grade through seniors, say this year, my priority is going to be my word. After the service, why don't you grab a leader? Say, hey, would you help me with the reading plan? Would you hold me accountable? Maybe grab one of the other students in here and say, hey, let's, let's, let's help each other out. Let's sharpen some iron. Let's, let's hold each other accountable to say, hey, just one verse. We're going to text each other every day after we read our verses. And, and we're going to ask questions to each other. Help each other out because by yourself, you'll never do this. But together, holding people accountable. My, my, and when I was in Excel, if I didn't read my Bible, my friends would call me and say, hey, did you read today? No. All right, call me back when you're done. And if they didn't call me back, or if I didn't call them back by the end of the day, they'd call me up. Hey, what are you doing? Stop it and read your Bible. And I was annoyed sometimes. But I don't think I'd ever become a pastor if I didn't have them holding me accountable as a student. So I want to challenge you. From sixth grade to the oldest leader in this room. Would you make it a priority to say, God, your word is going to be something that is 
a part of my life on a regular basis. I'm going to study. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to look up stuff. My desire is to know you more this year. And by God's grace, I believe you can do it. So let me just pray for you that God would help us. Heavenly Father, Lord, you know every person in here who was challenged today and willing to take that challenge. And God, you even know the hearts of the person who are blowing this whole thing off and don't care. And God, regardless of where they are, regardless of whether they were paying attention tonight or not, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be a reminder every day. That it would challenge them, Lord, to make reading your word a priority. God, you left us this word for a reason. You brought it into our lives for a reason. And God, I just pray, forgive us for the times that we've been lazy. Forgive me for those times that we've lacked desire. Forgive us for those times that we've wandered aimlessly, wondering where you are when we could have read about you and understood you so long ago. And God, I pray, give us a priority beginning tonight to make each and every day a time with you, to separate time and separate it special to you where we put our phones away and we get ourselves alone and we remove all distractions and say, God, this is your opportunity. Your servant is listening. Speak to me. Lord, I thank you because I know you're faithful. I know you'll speak if we have ears to listen. So help us, God. Help us to not be lazy. Help us to make you a priority. Help us to hold each other accountable so that every time we open this book, we get a fresh revelation of everything you are because you are living, active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Shine a light on our lives and show us exactly what we need to do. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Hey, make sure we're back next week. We're going to be continuing this series. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.